0: Welcome to The Well Online. This week, we're discussing three keys to overcoming temptation. As we continue our new series, Predecide, learning how to make better choices so that we can live better lives. And if you'd like to learn more, we'd love to have you join us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Or make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date with our online content. And be sure to visit thewellbinbrook.com to discover more and to take your next step. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that has a five-year plan to be bankrupt. Do you? I don't think so. I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody, or I don't know anybody who wants to be hooked on pornography. I know people who like pornography, but I don't know anyone who actually wants to be hooked on it, have it ruin their life, their marriage, their family, and take their life places that it really shouldn't go. I don't know anybody that plans to do something stupid My wife may disagree with that. She might point a finger. But for the, by and large, I don't know anybody that plans to do something stupid, plans to do something sinful and then hide it and lie about it and lose the trust of people that they love the most. I don't know anybody who plans to wreck their life. And chances are really, really good when it comes to it, you're not planning to make stupid decisions. The problem is, though, While most of us aren't planning to make stupid decisions, most people also don't plan not to make stupid decisions. We kind of just hope for the best, that when the moment comes, we'll make the right decision. And something that I believe has the potential to impact your life in a very, very powerful way is by actually learning to pre-decide. So I want to review what we covered last week. We talked about the power of our decisions, because for the most part, we need to understand that the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. In other words, we make our decisions, and then our decisions make us. The problem is, though, although we have good intentions, many of us are not very good decision-makers. And that's why we introduced this big idea of predeciding, the power of predeciding, the power of choosing ahead of time, and choosing right now what we're going to do in the future. Because then when that moment comes, we've already made that decision. And if you were with us last week, we introduced this big idea, and we find it all over scripture of choosing ahead of time what we'll do in the moment. So we introduced this concept that when you're faced with blank, a scenario of how to spend your money or what to say or what to look at, or how to treat somebody, where to go or where not to go, what to do or what not to do, whenever we're faced with a certain situation, we've already pre-named that we're going to pre-decide and take a certain action. That when faced with blank, I have pre-decided to take this action. So are you with me? So instead of waiting until the moment to give in to some temptation or let our emotions kind of take us to a place that we don't want to go, we're pre-deciding what we're going to do. I'm going off script here a bit, Ty, but I have to share this because one of the points I made last week too was don't make permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. And yesterday I burst out laughing because my kids were just driving Amanda crazy. They just had this energy and attitude that was just putting her through the roof. And Landon marches off down to the basement to go watch YouTube. And Amanda comes screaming <laughs> to the door, and she's like, Landon, no YouTube for the rest of your life! And I'm just like, remember the last week? Don't make <laughs> permanent decisions based on temporary emotions. <laughs> so funny thing is, he came up to us later, and he's like, "So." I'm confused, am I allowed to go on YouTube? (laughs) But last week, I introduced six I am statements. And as we're moving into a new year, we're deciding who we're going to be. We're pre-deciding who we are, because when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. So let's review those, and we're gonna start over in the left, and it's these I am statements. And bit of a spoiler alert, the very first one is what we're talking about today. But God is the great I am. He is all of these things and more, and this is what we're choosing to be. So what are we? Say it with me. I am ready, I am consistent, I am devoted, I am generous, I am faithful, and I am a finisher. Because God is these things, that we too can be these things. We can be ready, consistent, devoted, generous, faithful, and finishers. And when we pre-decide, our decisions won't be based on what feels good in the moment, but on who you want to be for the rest of your life. They're based on the values that God has put in our heart, because when our values are clear, our decisions are easier. So let's dive in to this week, and I wanna ask you a question. How many of you have ever given into a temptation and then regretted it? Show of hands, I see one going down the stairs. All right, everyone. We all have, and why did you give in to temptation? Well, chances are, in most cases, you gave into temptation because you weren't ready, you weren't prepared. In fact, scripture talks over and over again, telling us that we need to be prepared because our enemy is going to attack. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he said, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, be ready because your enemy is attacking. So don't let your guard down, have your guard up. Be ready because he's coming. And while Paul said that, Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, he said, watch and pray. Why? So that you're ready. So you don't fall into temptation because your spirit wants to do the right thing. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is so often weak. And that's why we're going to predecide that we're ready. Our guard is up, we're watching, we're praying, we're on high alert, why? Why are we ready, why are we on guard? Two reasons. Number one, and I hate to tell you this one, but it's because the devil's coming for you. Just as I believe God is real, I also believe the devil is real and we don't give him enough credit. And that's why oftentimes we are unprepared and we aren't ready because we don't give him the credit he deserves but our spiritual enemy has a mission to steal, kill, and destroy anything and everything that matters to the heart of God. In fact, it was the Apostle Paul who said this in 2 Corinthians 2 verses 9 and 11. He said, I wrote to you. Why? So that Satan, the father of lies, will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. He's studying you, he knows where you're weak. He knows where you're vulnerable. He knows how to attack, to take you out of God's will, to hurt you and to hurt the people around you. So we're going to be ready because we know that the devil's coming for us. And number two, it's because you're not as strong as you think. We tend to think that we can handle a lot more than we can actually handle. And there's this very sobering warning in scripture, 1 Corinthians ten twelve. it says, hey, those of you who say, I don't need this. I, 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 I'm going to handle it. It's no big deal. I'm not worried about it. You worry about it, but I'm good. Well, Scripture says, hey, you who think you're standing firm, be careful because when you're overly confident, those are the people that tend to fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you don't fall. And that's why we so often end up in a place we don't want to be because we make decisions that don't honor God. And studies are super fascinating. They show that people vastly overestimate their ability to resist temptation. We think we're stronger than we are, and this is called restraint bias. You think you can fight off more than you can fight off, and that's why you decide, I'm going to eat healthy this year, and then someone brings a chocolate cake into the office, and you're like, no, I'm going to walk by, and the first time you do, and you're like, yes. The second time you walk by, well, now you have chocolate in your hair, and you're wiping it off your cheeks. And you think, how how did that happen? How did I get here? And it's because we overestimate our ability to fight off what we need to fight off. And one of the reasons that we overestimate our ability to fight off the wrong things is because we actually don't realize how much energy it takes to resist temptation. I still remember going through a study as a young adult. It was uh, The Purity Principle by Randy Alcorn. And he had a quote in there that said, it's easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist it. How true is that? If you're tempted by donuts, well, if you're driving by Tim Hortons every day, chances are you're eventually going to pull in there. But how much easier would it be to take a different road where you're not going by the donut shop? Just fighting off temptation, it drains us. Spiritually, we we become fatigued. Mentally, we become fatigued. And that part of our brain that controls our willpower, it just wears out. Has anybody worked with people who drive you crazy? I'm hesitant to raise my hand because I used to work with my family. (laughs) But it's like all day long, your coworkers or maybe just one or two, they're just driving you crazy and you're wanting to unleash on them, but they know you're a churchgoer, a Jesus follower, so you're choosing to be godly, fight it off. You wanna say something, but you don't. Hold it together, but you just can't take it anymore. But then you go home and you just unleash on your spouse. Just let them have it. You make good decisions all day long, and you come home and you binge eat because your willpower starts to wane. Our self-control, our willpower, it's a limited resource, it's finite. And the more we use of it, the less we have. It has to recover and it has to rebuild. So we need to understand that the devil is coming for us and that we're not as strong as we think. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna pre-decide to be ready. And today I wanna share with you what I call the three keys to overcoming temptation. And we're going to pre-decide three things. And what we're gonna decide is we're going to decide to move the line. And then we're going to pre-decide to magnify the cost. And then we're going to pre-decide to plan your escape. We're going to move the line, magnify the cost, plan our escape. We're going to be ready because our spiritual enemy is coming for us. So the first thing I want to talk about and demonstrate for you is how we're going to pre-decide ahead of time to move the line. And I was going to use a whole roll of tape and actually put it out, but to be honest, I don't know where I put a, the roll of tape. So if you see a roll of green painter's tape, that was for an illustration. But let me explain it to you. So imagine the first line here. This line marks kind of the line between right and wrong. So if we stand on this side of the line, it's sin. We're in this realm of um, dishonoring God, of disrupting the peace and the harmony that He desires for the world. And then if we stand on the opposite side, well, now we're kind of in what He desires, this 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 place of a rightness. So that side is sin, this side is right. And what do we typically do? And don't act like you're holier than everybody else, but when there's a line somewhere, I'm sure it's not just me, but most of us We like to kind of go right up to the edge of it and kind of like peek over, kind of like, this is okay, it's fine. We go right up to the line. And the best example of this is when I started dating. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church. I knew that as a Christian, a Christ follower, that you were supposed to honor God with your body, stuff like that. We're supposed to wait until we're married. But when you're a teenager and you've got all these hormones going on inside you, well, the boundaries become a little fuzzy and don't worry about TMI, I won't get into details, but while for some people dating means, well, you just do things, but since I was a Christian, I was trying my best to follow Jesus, but I wanted to know what can I do? What can I get away with? Like I'd go right up to the edge of the line. Like can, can I pat, can I rub, can, can I smell her hair? What can I do? Give me the answers. Because, you see, what I want to do is get right up to that line. And I, and I, I want to be able to balance this. Okay, I'm honoring you, God, but uh, how close can I get? Like, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Don't sit there and polish your halo. We all do it. <laughs> <laughs> but what's funny is we may do that about some things, but there are things that we know are really dangerous that could kill us, and we suddenly realize that, hey, we actually need to step back from the line. For example, when I was a youth pastor, I decided to take a group of grades 7 and 8s up a 23,000 foot, or 2300 foot cliff. What was I thinking? I wanted to do the hike, and I thought, let's make it a youth event. These kids are like, woo, and I'm like, whoa, 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 we need to step back from the edge. Not a good idea, but when we know it's really dangerous... (laughs) We, we stay away from the line. Or perhaps we need a youth leader to suddenly realize, hey, we need someone else to help us stay away from the line. So since we know our spiritual enemy is coming at us, what we're going to do is that we're going to move the line. So if the line is here, we're actually going to make the new line back here. We're going to stay away. We're going to move the line and put space between it. That if this line here is wrong i'm actually going to move it here so i'm not going to get as close as i can but what i'm going to do is move the line so how does this play out well let's say you've got the spiritual gift of spending money on amazon you (laughs) click buy now same day delivery which i have to say amazing don't know how they do it but it's incredible but let's say you're spending too much so the line is, I, I can't control it, but I, I keep getting up to it. Well, to move the line, maybe you give your password to your best friend, and you say, I can't click by now because I'm not logged in, and I need the password from a friend. You're, you're moving the line so that you won't go right up to it and try and resist it in the moment. Or let's say you look at how much time you spend on Instagram, and it's like four and a half hours a day, and I know... You've got some interesting friends, but come on, people, live your life. (laughs) So what you're going to do is you're going to move the line, and you're going to put on some restrictions on your phone, and you're going to say, okay, I'm only going to look at Instagram for 30 minutes a day. That's moving the line. Or let's say you enjoy going out for drinks, going clubbing, going out for drinks with the boys, whatever it is, but you realize, okay, I'll just have one. Oh, now I had a second, and then before long, you're drunk, maybe you've hooked up, who knows? And you're thinking, how'd that happen? Well, so then you think, okay, I'm going to move the line, and I'll still go out, but I won't get drunk. That will be moving the line. I'm definitely not going to hook up. But let me just tell you, that's not moving the line enough. Listen, if you struggle with this, don't go out. Don't go to these places. Change it. Go to a family restaurant. I don't know. And you might be thinking, oh, Pastor Kevin, that's just so restrictive. Like, I can't have a life? I mean, that's no fun. I can't go dancing? or, I mean, you've got all these rules. It's just so restrictive. When are we ever going to have fun? But I love what David said in Psalm 16, verse 6. He says, the boundary lines for me, they've fallen in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You see, while it might seem restrictive, it's actually freeing, it's, it's for our benefit. It's not limiting. So we need to learn how to move the line. The second thing we're gonna do is we're gonna magnify the cost. We're gonna magnify the cost because any time we're tempted to give in to temptation, there is always a risk. And what I want you to do is to train yourself to ask this question whenever you're tempted what could go wrong? Because something can always go wrong. The big question that you can predecide to ask yourself is, what if the worst case scenario comes true? So we're going to pre-decide. We're ready because we know the devil's coming for us. We're weaker than we think. So when we get close and we're thinking about, oh, should I step over the line? Well, you're going to say, no, 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 no. I need to ask what's the worst thing that could happen? What if the worst case scenario comes true? And you may answer like, well, someone could get pregnant because we didn't want to get pregnant, but we also didn't make decisions to not get pregnant. And like, we live in the same world. We could lose our reputation, we could lose our ministry, we could lose our integrity, we could lose our job, we could lose a loved one, we could lose ourselves financially we could compromise our relationship with our kids, our spouse. My parents used to always tell me this, this verse. And I'll admit I didn't know it was a verse when I was little. But they would scare the bejeevers out of me with it. It's so Numbers 32, 23. Be sure your sin will find you out. They would always, if I had my guilty smile on, like I didn't do anything. They're like, be sure your sin will find you out. And I'm like, oh man, when's it going to come out? It's going to come out. It, you will be found out. And right now we see this all over the news. Like there is an awakening right now that it, the, the curtain's kind of being lifted on a lot of crap that's gone on. So we have to ask ourselves, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? Magnify that cost. And it will help you predecide not to do that thing that could hurt you later. And i do this over and over and over again. I've asked myself, what would happen if I betrayed my vows? What if I lost my integrity? What if I betrayed my relationship with Amanda? And i and I just magnify the cost. And Let me tell you what would happen. Well, I'd lose the trust and respect of my best friend who has stood beside me and honored me, and who has loved me in more ways than I could ever describe. My children, Landon and Kinsley, they look up to me as a man of God and their dad, and I would lose that. There are many of you that I would hurt and wreck your faith because while I know you know I'm not perfect, I hope you also know that I am trying to live a life of integrity and God honoring. I could lose every bit of credibility, every bit of spiritual authority. Five minutes of sin could wreck a lifetime of pursuing Jesus. That's the reality. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to recognize that we have a spiritual enemy who's going to attack. We're ready, we're on guard. And when he does attack, we're going to move the line and we're going to magnify the cost. And then, my favorite thing that we're going to do is we're going to plan our escape. We're gonna decide ahead of time how we're gonna get out of any temptation that our, spiritually, our spiritual enemy brings to us. We're going to plan our escape. And the best example in all of scripture of someone doing this is in the Old Testament with a guy named Joseph. Now, if you don't know who Joseph is, Amanda says, I'm a lot like him, so let me describe him to you from God's word. Scripture says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. <laughs> I couldn't resist. So this guy's good looking and scripture says Potiphar's wife, this was his kind of boss's wife, it says Potiphar's wife soon began looking at him lustfully, noticing, hey, you're a very handsome and and well-built young man. She says to him, come sleep with me. Okay, it's weird, but you have to appreciate the fact that she's clear, she knows what she wants. Because guys, we don't always get the hint. We're a little uh, uh, dull on that side. But anyways, back to the point. Imagine how easy it would have been for Joseph to give in. Think about it. He's like, well, this isn't my homeland. My brothers don't even know where I am. We're alone. Nobody's going to find out. And this good-looking cougars flirting with me. And I'm young. I'm single. She made the move. Must be okay, right? Or he could have done what many of us do. He could have given in because he wasn't happy with God. Because he wasn't doing anything wrong when his brothers beat him up and put him in a pit. He he wasn't doing anything wrong when his brother sold him into slavery. So here he was in a bad situation because God let him down, right? So often we feel like, well, since God didn't do what I wanted him to do, well, then I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. But please don't ever do this. Don't use your disappointments to justify your disobedience. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, my spouse isn't meeting my needs. I've got to do what I got to do. God let me be in this spot, so I'm just going to live in it. No. You see, Joseph had pre-decided that he was going to honor God. So she came on to him, and he faithfully resisted. He told her, no deal. He's like, hey, your husband trusts me. How can I sin against him? How can I sin against God? So he resisted. But what happened? Well, did she stop? Did the angel sing? He was never tempted again? No. What happened is she kept getting up into his business every day, and she's like, hey, you're looking pretty good today. What's a little thing like you doing in a palace like he? And day after day, she hit on him. She made the moves. And in the same way, day after day, that the devil is coming after you. He's attacking. And because we know he's coming for us, and we're not as strong as we think, we're going to pre-decide to plan our escape. And you might think well joseph that bro was strong what i want to tell you is he wasn't strong he was ready he was smart he was smart enough to pre-plan his escape because scripture tells us and this is so cool in verse 12 one day when they're all alone potiphar's wife comes to him and she's not just saying stuff but she actually grabs his coat to try to pull it off him and he says it's go time I'm out of here. Scripture says he left his cloak in our hand and ran out of the house. And what did he do? He left his coat in our hand and ran out of the house. Why? Because he knew it was better to have a good name than a good coat. I'm going to let go of that which could hold me back, hold me down, get me in trouble because I've predecided that my name is more valuable than any kind of possession. He predetermined it. If she grabs, I run because I'm not strong enough to resist it. So I'm going to run from it. And the amazing thing about God is that when you're tempted and you will be tempted, the good news is he is faithful. He is always faithful. He will never let you down and he will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And the good news is when you're tempted, Scripture says, he will always give you an escape. He'll give you a way out every single time. There's no temptation the devil can bring your way which God hasn't given you an escape. There's no lust. There's no financial temptation. There's no breach of integrity. There's no relational loss in which God hasn't already said, there's the door, there's another way. So we predecide. We choose ahead of time. The devil is going to attack. I'm not as strong as I think, so I'm ready. I've predetermined to move the line. I've pre-decided to magnify the cost. And I've pre-decided that when she grabs my coat, I run out the door. We've planned our escape. Because no one plans to screw up their life, but people do it all the time. No one plans to screw up their life, but most people don't plan not to. So friends, we need to be on guard. We need to be ready. So what I want you to do As we're still early in the year is i want you to be incredibly honest about where you're vulnerable and just take a minute to think through how does our spiritual enemy attack you is it your pride do you justify your sin because you're mad at god well if god hadn't done that then i wouldn't be here do you find yourself compromising financially because that's where you place your security Do you lie sometimes to make yourself look better? Do you gossip about people to make them look bad and to make you feel better? Do you judge others? Are you overly critical? Are you carrying unforgiveness in your heart? Do you find yourself giving into lustful temptations again and again and again, looking at things or even acting in a way that you know is just dishonoring to God? Do you find yourself taking God for granted you wake up one day and you're just lukewarm. You used to be on fire, but now you've lost it. Do you find yourself compromising around your friends? You're one person here at church and you're a completely different person outside. So what we're going to do is we're going to predecide to be ready because the enemy is. So we need to be ready. And we're going to put distance between ourselves. We know we're not that strong. We need to predecide how to stay out of trouble when the devil attacks. So I'll just wrap up with a personal example. And I want to be transparent, but as I mentioned earlier, I predetermined to be faithful to my wife Amanda for the rest of my life. And I I predecided it, and I promised her that in our wedding vows. And I know a bunch of my friends have done the same things, but I also know not all of them have achieved it. And so I have to tell myself that I'm not above being tempted. And because I'm a normal person, what I'm going to do is decide ahead of time to eliminate anything that could be tempting. Because as, we lear- as we've learned, it's easier to avoid tem- temptation than it is to resist it. So a few of the things that I've predecided not the extensive list, but a few of the things is I make sure not to be alone one-on-one with someone from the opposite sex. Now, I wrestle with this as a pastor because I still want to be able to pastor females. I don't want this to be like, I'm only with the men, but what I do, if that comes up, is I tell Amanda who I'm with. I text her when I arrive, I text her when I leave, so she has all the information and understands. If I'm meeting one-on-one with someone from the opposite sex, I usually meet at a public place, or I have Amanda with us. Now, you might think some of this is a little crazy, but criticize all you want because Amanda appreciates it. But all of my devices, computer, iPhone, iPad, all those things, they're completely transparent. She has the password. She, she has complete access at all times to anything. And there have been times where I've actually locked down my devices where like, they're just pretty much a brick. I can text and I can call. Anything else, I need to have her put in the passwords to download an app or to do anything on it. And if you're thinking like, Kev, are you that vulnerable? Are you that weak, that you need this kind of protection? Well, the answer is no. Actually, I'm very happily married, but I am occasionally tempted. I'm human. And I don't know a few months from now, in a weak or vulnerable moment, that why would I not make the decision and fight off something now and eliminate it now and trying to resist it in the future. You see, I'm ready. I'm ready because I know the devil's going to attack. And so I ask myself the question, why would I resist a temptation in the future if I have the power to eliminate it today? Because the devil's coming for you. He's going to try and destroy your reputation, your witness, your ministry, your friendships, your relationship with your spouse, the witness before your kids. The devil's coming for you, and you're not as strong as you think. So we have to be on guard. So we're gonna pre-decide to move the line, we're gonna magnify the cost, we're gonna plan our escape. And all of this is based on our values, because when our values are clear, our decisions are easy. So in that moment somewhere in the future, when it comes, you're tired, you're hungry, you're angry, you're hangry, you're overwhelmed, you're emotional, you're depressed, you're just more vulnerable. When that moment comes, your decision won't be based on the emotion in the moment, but on the values that God placed in your heart. So commit all your ways to God and allow him to establish your plans. Because we know his word, we know it's true, we decide ahead of time that when I'm faced with such and such a scenario, I've already determined in that moment that I'm choosing to honor God. So what are we? We're ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just ask as followers of you to help us be ready. Help us to fight off the attacks of the evil one so we can faithfully share the love of Jesus in all that we do. And as we just continue to reflect and pray, I just want to give you a moment to think about any area of your life where your guard might be down. How does our spiritual enemy attack you? Where are you vulnerable? What are your values? And if you find yourself vulnerable or maybe you're not prepared, I'm just going to ask you to determine today to, to pre-decide to be ready. Make a game plan for your life where you predecide ahead of time that I'm going to eliminate and distance myself from as much temptation as possible. And it's going to take work. You may wanna to talk to a pastor, a counselor, a trusted friend, but I encourage you not to do it alone. But predecide you're ready. If you recognize that you're always under attack, and I hope you do recognize you're always under attack, and you want the help of God to be ready, would you just lift up your hands right now? I don't usually ask for a show of hands, but in this series, I just think it's so important to take an actionable step as soon as God begins speaking to us. So simply raise your hand and pray, help me be ready. And Father, we ask that we would be prepared. In the same way Paul said to be on guard, that we'd be on guard. In the same way Jesus said, watch and pray so we don't fall into temptation, help us to watch and pray. Give us wisdom, God. God, help us As we move the line so we don't push the limits, help us to magnify the cost, the impact that our decisions have not only on our lives, but the lives of those around us. Help us to plan our escape. Help us to see the escape that you've provided. And as we keep praying, we're talking about being ready. Some of you are ready for the biggest decision that you're ever going to make the quality of our lives is a reflection of the quality of our decisions. So I'm going to ask you to make a decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? Who does Jesus claim to be? He claims that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. He claims that the Father sent him. He came not for those who were already righteous, but Jesus came for people like me. He came for people like you. He came for sinners. He said himself, I didn't come for those who are healthy, who had it all together. I came for the sick. And he loved those of us who were broken. Those of you today, if you're not walking with Jesus, if you're not serving him faithfully, I just want to ask, what are you going to do about it? One decision, one choice. Who do you say he is? If you recognize, if you look at him, there's no one like him. The son of God who loves you so much, he gave his life for you. And when you see that, your only reasonable response is, take my whole life, I want to give it all to you. So if you recognize, yeah, you're in that boat, you've sinned just along, just with the rest of us, and we need forgiveness, I'm going to invite you to decide to step away from your old life, take your next step toward Jesus. Just say, I want to follow you. Forgive my sins, call out to him. And then just say, God, thank you. So friends, if you're committing your life to following Jesus or if you're just recommitting, simply pray, Heavenly Father, please forgive my sins. I'm ready to be your disciple, to follow Jesus, to serve him, to live for him, and to show his love. Fill me with your spirit so that I can know you and serve you. My life is not mine. I give it all to you. Thank you for this new life. Jesus, you have mine. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God is on the move. I feel it. There's momentum. There's an energy among us. And I'm excited for what he wants to do in and through each of us this new year. And if you'd like to learn more, we'd love to have you join us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Or make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date with our online content. And be sure to visit thewellbinbrook.com to discover more and to take your next step.